Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Tim, back here with Lance. Lance, how are you tonight? Doing very well. Doing very well. How are you? Doing pretty well. We're here tonight to do an intro for a segment that we did with Elias Yeager, who was on episode one of our coverage of the Vanishing Men of Boston with us. And then she was at our live show on August 18th. So that's the majority of this episode. It's going to be the audio, the, the the conversation that we have uh, at our live show with Jordan and Lucian. Elias came out uh, after we had Lucian on. Lucian Greaves, the uh, co-founder of the Satanic Temple located in Salem, Massachusetts. She came out after and uh, and contributed to the sort of roundtable discussion that we had, fielded some questions. Um the topic of the Vanishing Men of Boston is something that she's put a lot of energy and work into, as people know if you listen to the episode that we had on with her. And uh, and what she's done for this case that is largely gone sort of unnoticed. Um, and as a matter of fact, side note, the, the season is upon us for the Vanishing Men of Boston. We're coming into October, and October, November, and February, March have been the popular times where these young men have, have – disappeared i don't want to see anything happen but let's uh let's keep our eyes peeled on this but she's done a lot of work on this and i'm sure she knows that within uh, the next week then she's going to be looking at the headlines yes and uh and it was a very fun conversation with her talking live uh and so before we throw it to that audio, I think we should read some of the comments and questions that we've gotten from the first two episodes that we did. The first one, of course, was with Elias. The second one was with Jordan, where we kind of talked about a paranormal element to this whole story. Jordan Bonaparte from the Nighttime Podcast. Sorry, we're on first name basis now. Super Strike 9 says, I don't know, man. I don't believe in the whole smiley face killer theory or that a serial killer is killing all these young men. I think the vast majority of these deaths are accidental. All it takes to drown is a few inches of water, and you add alcohol and or drugs into the mix, dot, dot, dot. Yep, Fair point. point. We Yeah, we, we've uh, talked about the smiley face killer theory a little bit, and it does come up in this live audio with Elias. Um, but we do hope to get a little bit deeper into it pretty soon, just to, just to look at it at least. 
And Miss Vic 66 says, happy to see Elise on here. I found her blog when she posted the Boston Vanishing Men article too. Glad you two are covering the case. It needs to be brought to awareness. There is no way all of these men are just jumping in rivers in certain areas in the middle of winter. I wish more would put the pressure on the FBI to do something about this. Yeah, as we talk about in this live audio, the police commissioner, I believe, of Boston came out and said uh, this past winter, came out and said that there's no serial killer in town, and uh, and it's all speculation. So I believe that was that was Bill Evans, William, William Evans, mm. the commissioner of Boston. Sounds right. Please, sounds yeah. right, yep. Catherine Emma says, Killer blends in with these crowds. Feels seasonal because he probably has a family. Well, that's really interesting. I think she's been watching a little too much Dexter. Uh, that's exactly what I went Season to. Season four. Season yeah. four, John Lithgow. <laughs> Trinity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's the best season, without a doubt. You really should stop watching after that. Yeah, it's really bad at the very end. I really, I got really annoyed at the last episode, the very last one. Um, but most of the most of the show is pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, calling this one guy is a reach, I think, to me. You know, and thank you for the comment, Catherine. I cer- certainly aren't trying to poke fun at you. But, um, yeah, c- calling it one person, I mean, while I guess it is possible, you you would be talking on the level of a guy like Trinity from Dexter, like this, uh, you know, almost like, well, obviously he's a fictional character, you know, so it's like a, it's pretty far-fetched, don't you think? I think so. I would have said that before I started reading into uh, Keys, Israeli Keys, who traveled across the country and hid murder kits in different states. And we know, just by people who have commented on this in our own research, that this has happened in other cities as well. In Milwaukee, they, they have, uh, and I believe in, uh, in, in Cleveland, they have uh, some cases where men have been found pulled from rivers uh, or from water areas. Uh, so, yeah, before looking into Keys, it would be very logical to say, no, nah, there's no way this is one person. I'm not by any means saying that that's where I'm leaning on this, but these people are out there. And, you know, if it, if it, if it feels like it's seasonal, then it's, you know, it could be that he or she has a particular time frame that works well in each city. Marilyn Piziferi says events are alluded to but not clearly explained. And I'm not quite sure if Marilyn is talking about like the episode or like the, the content of the episode or the mystery in itself because that is kind of the point of the mystery. Exactly. I was just going to say that there, if, if it's about the content of the episode or the content of uh, the, uh, the, the blog of uh, Cryptid Antiquarian, if she's talking about the content of either, either of those, we're both and Elias and, and her blog, we're all working with the same information that is provided by what you read in the old newspaper clippings uh, or articles clippings like like we're in the 70s um what you read in the old newspaper articles um what the police say the police don't as we know the police don't just give out information to anybody who asks for it so there is yeah this shroud of mystery that's around it so um that's why we do this because let's try to pull back that shroud a bit Zoe V says Zachary Marr was seen on surveillance jumping up on a partition on a footbridge. It was pretty clear he slipped off, though it's unclear why he did that. 
Kelleher was found in the river too, I believe. Ian Cage chimes in with, fuck your sensationalizing music bleeds during the name list. Opportunistic, disgusting, and inappropriate. Thanks for listening, Ian. Goomer Doctor says, y'all work together well. Big fan of both podcasts. The paranormal is a slippery slope, but it is a necessary evil. Thanks, dudes. And thank you, Goomer Doctor. Um, Wait, thank it is you, a slippery Goomer slope. Doctor. Yeah, it is a slippery slope, though, covering the paranormal, right? I mean, and, and I don't want to say that we are covering paranormal officially with this because I don't – I think that that might be disrespectful to just call this the paranormal. Um, but but it, it was an angle that we were looking at, at least. Well, I think when you're putting together an episode that deals with this, the subject matter – and you have a guest on who has dealt with the paranormal in his in his uh, previous episodes of his own show. It's just it's a uh, it's a back and forth. It's a conversation. So um, really, it's up to it's up to everybody out there to use use their judgment and take from it what they you know what they what they deem is the most important pieces of information. Um, like Sean Stewart says I, I don't want to be a dick but it's not paranormal and it's not suicide or misadventure he has that in quotes this is horseshit fellas it's not paranormal fucking energy it's a group of people maybe a cult bouncers or cab drivers are involved so yeah he goes through like three sentences before he gets to really like the the, the good point there bouncers or cab drivers are involved and i think a lot of people their heads go there and that's that's a good thought i think um and i i agree with sean that it it would have to be a group of people and and he's right it's probably it's probably not paranormal fucking energy as he says but yeah, we have i to don't cover agree it. that it's horse shit we have to cover it yeah yeah and some people will say no you don't have to cover it because for whatever reason, but we do. Because again, we had somebody on the show who covers that in his episodes, and we extend the courtesy for the conversation con to continue with something that he's, uh, you know, sort of more of an expert at than we are. I do agree with the cab driver thing, though. I don't agree that all of them were the victim of the same thing. Like, you know, there's not one cult doing all of this or one cab driver doing all of this. But if some of them were abducted, then I like the idea that a cab driver is involved because people just don't run around a corner and then their group turns the corner a couple seconds later and they're gone. The latest one, Michael Kelleher, was uh, hailing a, a, an Uber at the time and he disappeared. So and never was picked up by his Uber. So just roll that around in the uh, in the noggin if you want. Okay, so Lance, let's throw it to the audio from the live show with Elias. Thank you very much for listening to Crawl Space. Follow us on Twitter at Crawl Space Pod. Thank you. There we go. Thanks for joining us, Elias. Thank you for having me. So your blog, Cryptid Antiquarian, you sort of brought to light this mystery. And uh, how long, Elias, has this been going on? Uh, well, that, that's uh, probably one of the big questions, I guess, right now is I don't know how long it goes back. Um, the earliest case that I have right now is um, from early 2000s, but I, I think I've heard of the possibility of a few from at least the 90s and, and possibly even before that. So, What the heck is going on? <laughs> Um, I, that's 
I don't know. That's uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, so what do you think it is? Um, you know, do you have a theory? And I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to. I, I like to know before I say anything, sort of. So I've been quietly collecting as much information as I can and trying to solve the mystery myself. Um, but I I don't I don't have a good grasp yet to to say. Now your blog really blew up. Uh, like a year ago or so, um, so you, you've had like over a million and a half, one point five million down or uh, views on, on your blog, and then I know they came in a, in a very uh, concentrated period of time. Uh, a lot of articles were written about this um, last winter, and so what? What patterns have you found, or do you think that there are out there with these men? who go missing and are found dead in water. And, and we're talking like 20, 25 men over the course of 20 so years or more. Um, so the really weird thing is there's been two big spikes in hits to my blog, and they've both been after somebody went missing. And they were both in March. One was in March of this past year, and then the other one was in the March of the previous year. And it was because um, a gentleman had gone missing and immediately that was when the new flood of people came in. So there definitely seems to be certain months that have a much higher concentration of people going missing or their bodies being found. Um, and yeah, I've heard people say that it could be related to um, the temperatures raising, causing uh, the body to float and such, but... Um, it's been weird because it, it's not necessarily dependent on the weather at all. Like, it'll be in the coldest days of March. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think March and October, December seem to be the big the big three. Yeah, it seems like there's a – exactly. The, the February, March, and October, November are where the highest concentration are. And where – we have the map up here of everything, and then we'll go to the closer map of Boston in a second. But – um, when does it stop being like, – when it, the latest one was uh, Michael Kelleher, correct? Yes. Yes. And we had just maybe two or three months – I can't remember, just like two or three months or a few weeks before – or I'm sorry, after we had our interview, um, we started seeing the notifications and we started seeing the news feeds of Michael Kelleher uh, who – could not be found after a Celtics game. Yeah, he left the Celtics game in the third quarter. Is that left? Correct? Yeah, left the Celtics game on the third quarter, which is pretty typical of all of these victims. They they leave a public place. They're with a group of people. The group of people are with them for the most part right up until maybe minutes or hours, maybe a couple of seconds. Or there are cases where it's a couple of seconds where they where they run ahead of their group and then the group turns a corner and they're gone. And then their body is found. Um, and Michael Kelleher was the, – the news feed started about, about him. You know, you saw his picture out there. He was at the, he was at the, uh, the Celtics game. And we all said – we all started communicating, I, I hope this isn't going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. And, and sure enough, like a week and a half later, his body was found. Um, I don't know where I'm really going with that, but <laughs> yeah, uh, basically you can almost get what I'm where I'm going is you can almost set your clock by it. Yeah, you can it, almost. It's, I dread it honestly. Um, 
I so uh, after the first the first big grouping of people that came to the blog, I was really working on trying to come up with some kind of a plan um, because regardless of whatever is causing the men to go missing and drown or whatever happens to them. Um, the ultimate goal, obviously, for me is to just try to prevent it, to stop it from happening. Um, so I've been trying to come up with some kind of a plan to make Boston waterway areas safer, make bars safer, raise awareness and all that. Um, and I was, you know, had the naive idea for a while that uh, since one hadn't happened that November to December time period, I was like, oh, maybe enough awareness was raised and people aren't, you know, going out alone as much anymore. Maybe, maybe we'll skip a year. Maybe it won't happen anymore. Who knows? Um, and then I started getting the, the next round of people contacting me about, uh, about Michael. And I was like, and really, that, that really was like, hoping. That was like May 25th, 26th, right? I'm, I'm sorry, March. March, yeah. March, March 20. I think you went Miss March 29th. 29th, right. Because yeah. I remember thinking, wow, it's almost at the end of March. Probably going to go through this period without it yeah. happening. And then it was <laughs> just like clockwork. It, it happens. Um, and a, for a, a lot of people will come out and say, you know, yeah, you're, you're a young man. You're leaving a bar. We've all done that. Uh, you stumble your way down to some, some, some water area, you know, in this case, the Charles River. And you go to take a leak in the river, and then you fall in, and then you you know you can't get out. Um, I've been down there. A lot of people have probably been down there. It's very easy to enter the river there if you want to, um, but to get to that, to get to the river from where they're coming from, and and then you keep in mind that they have either contacted Uber or Lyft in the meantime, and they had people that they were meeting. It doesn't make much sense for them to be down there. And also, why is it just, and maybe I'm missing something, but why is it just men? Why aren't we talking about the missing women of Boston? Well, the ex, the kind of explanation that I've heard um, is that generally women know to be more careful and to stay in groups because there's, you know, higher threat of them becoming victims. Um in just in general, obviously, but um, yeah, I think the, the the biggest thing that people sort of you know take at glance from uh, my work is probably that uh, oh, it's just a, a normal thing that happens, guys, you know, being clumsy, going missing. But the thing that really drew me in to look closer to it was the individual cases because each case while maybe there isn't some one single overarching thread that goes through them all other than, you know, the obvious guy goes missing and ends up in water, um, each case has these weird, strange little things to it that don't really add up um, as an individual case. Um, you know, like, for instance, Michael Kelleher uh, was with... I actually spoke to the woman that he was with that night, and she was saying that everything was going fine, they were having a great time, and then all of a sudden he just was like, I'm leaving with no explanation. And she was like, what do you mean? So she was trying to understand why he was just like getting up and leaving the game. He loved the Celtics. He was like basically obsessed. And, um, I think they were, they were tied in an overtime. No, that, that was a good game that he, um, and he just gets up and leaves and she couldn't understand why. So he disappears and she's trying to talk to him on the phone and she can't really hear him that well. It sounds like there's like loudness happening in the background. She thought maybe he was at a bar or something. Um, and then of course ends up in the water. So I don't know, even if it's 
even if it's not, you know, a serial killer or, you know, ghosts or whatever craziness, uh, maybe it was a drug deal that went bad or maybe he got, you know, mugged or maybe it was a prank gone awry. I mean, it just, it's something that doesn't add up for me and it's something that I feel like shouldn't add up to anyone else that reads the case. Right. So, but you can say that it's, it's a random drug deal gone bad. I mean, maybe not a random drug deal gone bad, but a drug deal gone bad or a random mugging. But how do random muggings happen within two months in the beginning of the year and two months at the end of the year since like 2003? Yeah, that, that could explain a couple or yeah. a couple. few maybe. Like, like suicide would explain a couple. Potentially, right. yeah. I don't mean to sound crass, you know, it, looking at a, a list of names. But yeah. yeah, that's probably the case with at least a few of them. Um. Betting the Detroit River has the Charles River beat, though. So I'm wondering if there's kind of like a statistical Well, so that's, uh, the, that's control. the other interesting but, thing. Is but that, have you looked at other regions where there's a body of water near a populated area? And, um, and I get contacted by people all the time that are like, I think this is happening in our area too, but it's not uniform. So it's not like um, statistically uniform as far as like population goes or you know college density levels go or something like that. It's just certain areas have a much higher rate of this happening. And I don't know why it is, you know. I don't know if it's, you know, an explanation of, like, a lot of people seem to believe it could be a serial killer. I want to make it publicly clear that I'm not sold on that theory, and that's not the theory that I'm trying to prescribe for my blog. I'm just gathering information and kind of throwing it back out at people. But I will say that every time someone goes missing or there's an article, a body found – Every single comment that I see is there's a serial killer in Boston and nobody's talking about it. So and and the police chief of Boston came out and said he didn't believe there was a serial killer. They oh, they've good. seen some some of the footage and uh, he he doesn't believe that and he came out on camera this winter and said that. Got a lot of thinly veiled shade from the Boston police. Yeah, which is kind of amazing <laughs> that they responded really directly to to you and your work and your blog. Well, it's actually I guess it's probably really is the state police who's supposed to be dealing with this cuz right. it's in the waterways, but But um, with the serial killer thing we just recently learned about the Allentown serial killer, uh, Bob Evans, whose real name is Terry Rasmussen, with DNA evidence. They're starting to put together all of these, all of these bodies and all of these, uh, all of these crimes that that are coming back to him. I'm not saying that we should take the serial killer theory with the Vanishing Man of Boston, you know, any more seriously, but it does happen. It does, you know, and with uh, Israeli Keys, he, he planted murder kits all over the the northern part of the country. Like these, he buried there are serial murder kill- kits. He buried yeah. murder kits, and then he went back later and dug them up and killed people with those murder kits. Right. He had an elaborate, an elaborate method of how he would uh, execute his 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 murders. Um, but I'm not. But I'm not. You know. Back in the in the in the sixties, when the Boston Strangler was around, the police said that this would be the best time to kill your wife if you didn't love your wife, if you didn't like your wife, like because you could kill your wife and say that you know you saw a man running out of your apartment. Yeah. Uh, it just it well, feels like something similar. There's there was so many cases of the Boston Strangler at that time that they don't even necessarily know if all of them were actually by the same person or by multiple people. So 
I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if at least a few of the cases were murders. And some of them, the, you know, if you want to call it an MO, is almost identical. The one that really, the one that really sh- shook me a lot was Michael Kelleher's was almost exactly mirrored with William Hurley's death. Um, they were almost copies of each other. Um, William Hurley, he went missing in 2009, and he was at a Boston Bruins game, so same place, TD Garden, um, and all of a sudden, just, you know, in the middle of the game, just didn't feel good and decided to get up and leave, um, and went missing outside of the TD Garden, and he had called his girlfriend, and she was right around the corner. She, She gets around the corner, and he's just gone. He was found in the Charles River later on. His phone was found smashed somewhere, which says that kind of puts up a big red flag for me that that's not just a accidental slipping and falling. But I find it hard to believe that the Boston police ever did a press conference during the during the Boston Strangler fiasco and said, "This is a great time to kill your wife." <laughs> Honestly, that that wouldn't surprise me. I'm calling bullshit on that one. Yeah, can you reference that video, Lance? Yeah, there, there, was, there was no video. Did I say the Boston police? Uh, I don't know. I thought you did. Uh, so, but so anyway, as far as serial killers go, we we have heard a lot of uh, a lot about the smiley face killers. A lot of people, when when they when they hear about this case, they will say, "Well, this is the smiley face killers. They're killing people." All over the country, all over the world. It, but on I, the bright side, if you want to kill someone, now's the time. And just paint a smiley face right next to right. it, and, and you're all right. But you're, you're right, Lucy, and well, after we started talking about this, we got a bunch of emails, uh, and a lot of people from different areas, Detroit, Milwaukee, the UK, every area that someone emailed us from was near water. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But we also got a ton of emails about the smiley face killers. Um, so what, what do you think about that? Uh, so the fact of the matter is, so the, the whole smiley case theor- theory was uh, originally written by uh, Detective, well, I think he was retired at the time working as a PI, uh, Gannon from New York, and he worked with a drowning forensic specialist, um, Professor Gilbertson was his name, and they wrote a book together called um, Drowning Forensics or something like that. And they actually worked together and looked at a whole bunch of different cases that have been ruled as either accidental or suicide and tried to kind of look closer at them and see if maybe they were all connected. And it originally came about because I think Gannon kept thinking he was finding smiley faces near the bodies or something like that. But the point, the the fact is they did actually prove some of them were murders. So I think it is relevant and I think it's important. Um, Whether there's, you know, I don't know if... I don't know if I can really believe that there's a, you know, worldwide cult pushing people into the water. I mean, that possibly be, Satanist. That'd be pretty. <laughs> that'd be pretty. Uh, it would be definitely, you know, who knows? I mean, nothing would really surprise me anymore at this point uh, with the way the world is going. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's important to know that that whether or not all the cases are connected, that some of them were proven to be murders. And actually, Jordan, I know, I know you're kind of making a joke there, but uh, we, no. we did hear from people who said that this is a satanic cult. I have another theory. Um, again, I'm not from here, but if, if the Charles River runs anywhere near the New England Aquarium, I saw a group of children, and I don't know the aquatic wildlife here, but there's something called a shock, and apparently that's a big deal. Have you looked into them? 
Uh, the the shacks are really more of a problem in Martha's Vineyard, okay. actually, uh, more more than more than Boston. Okay, Just putting it out there. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a crazy topic, and and we'll have you back on, and we we want to do a little more research with you and see where it goes. Oh no, yeah. DJ Santorelli down front. Mr. Uh, Mr. Santorelli has yes. the floor. Hello. Through your research and 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 all that, what has been the evidence that has been – I know you mentioned there's really nothing much linking them other than that they've been found in water. But is there any other links between those incidences that you see sort of a pattern in them? You know, most cases like that, you know, it's usually there's lacerations, blunt force trauma, and so on and so forth. Are, are there any of those commonalities within those cases? So the really strange thing about these cases is that there's a lot of commonalities with each other within the cases, but not as a whole. So you'll have, you know, four cases that are almost cookie cutters of each other, and then you'll have two that are almost cookie cutters, and then you'll have these two are also weirdly connected in some bizarre way. So there's a lot of small sort of, it's like a spider web of connections between the cases, um, which in a way, like a spider web, I think does kind of connect them all together. Um, it's just they're not necessarily all exactly the same or exactly connected by, you know, specific things that you would normally think of, like, oh, they all had red hair or they all were 25 or something like that. Um, so there's just a lot, lot of bunch of different weird little things connected them. Um, like I mentioned, William Hurley and, and Michael Kelleher, um, were almost copies of each other. And then you had, um, Zach Marr and, uh, Zach Marr was a copy of another of the cases because they were both out on their birthdays and they both got kicked out by a bouncer, had some kind of an altercation there. So there's just been a lot of weird little things in between them all. A couple of Navy men too, I believe, right? Yeah, Dustin Willis and uh, William Hurley were both... Um, North they were, Carolina, they right? They were both from North Carolina. They were both in the Navy. They were both in Boston on the same night, um, but they didn't actually know each other, and one of them went missing one year, and the other one went missing uh, a couple of years or a year later. Uh, we got to... Yeah, I have a question... <laughs> So the notification about the footage came out and the police worded it as he had entered the water, which I thought was a really strange way of putting it. And then they refused to kind of say anything else. I don't know if they were basically trying to say without saying it that they believe that he committed suicide and that's what they kind of saw from the footage. Um, but then I've heard, I've spoken to a few uh, close family members and friends of Zach Marr who have said to me that it was not suicide, um, but that, you know, they don't want to talk about it further or something. So I really have no idea wh what anyone thinks is going on. Uh, the whole case has been very kind of hush-hush. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have to, you know, be contacted by somebody who knew more and, and doesn't seem like anyone's really interested in talking about it. So I've kind of put that case on sort of a, a back burner of not really being sure how it fits or if it fits.
Yeah, so actually not um, – most of them were involved in some way in, you know, a drinking establishment or something, but not all of them had been drunk. Um, William Hurley had had very, very little to drink, actually. He'd only had, like, one beer or something like that. Um, and a few of the other cases weren't drinking at all, to my knowledge. Um, so it's not like they were all totally sloshed or anything like that, um, which is, I think, another important thing to kind of consider that, you know, even if these were, yeah, even if they were accidents, you know, why couldn't they have pulled themselves back out of the water? Why? That's the, that's the, that is probably the thing that I would consider being the sort of binding factor to all of them is they all go completely missing, like as if they are just like there and then they're just not on the face of the earth anymore and then they're found in the water. There's never any sign of them entering the water except for maybe the Zachary Marr video. Um, but other than that, no one sees them going into the water. No one usually even sees them like – None of the cases in Boston have they been found even that night or the next day. They're usually found uh, sometimes even months later, um, which is really weird to me too. Well, John DeVario, in, that was 2003, I believe, is, is probably the most bizarre one to me because he, he was an established um, professor at MIT. Uh, you can, I'll let you explain. He was a musicology who, professor, yeah. Yeah, and the guy wrote like books on music and composers and, and I mean, I mean, he, everyone, people asked, was he depressed and said, no, his parents were sick, but you know, that wouldn't be something that would depress him enough where he would leave his office and leave his briefcase and his wallet and just decide to end it in the Charles river. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing with a lot of these cases like that one, you know, people try to make some kind of excuse like, well, maybe, maybe he committed suicide, but I mean, Anything's possible, obviously. Maybe we don't know what was going on in his personal life, but from all accounts, it seemed very random. It seemed, you know, he didn't leave behind any kind of notification that that was his intention. You know, people were saying, oh, well, maybe he was upset because his parents were sick, but he was actually, like, taking care of his parents, right. um, which I think is important. He he was uh, very, very close with them, so it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they had died and then he killed himself or something like that. It was It was while he was taking care of them. Okay, uh, we probably have one more question here. I don't know if you have access to autopsy reports, uh, but if you do, if you have any information, do any of these men that were found dead that weren't out of the murderer investigation, were there water in their lungs? Do you know that? Unfortunately, I don't, because I have had no access to any of the autopsy reports. Um, I have to kind of work with somebody who knows a little bit more about the Freedom of Information Act, because um, theoretically, I think that if they're not, you know, being investigated actively as uh, homicides, that there's, does I'm not sure why they wouldn't, you know, release some more information, unless obviously it was something specific that the family didn't want released. Um, but as I've tried to reach out to the police a few times, and they've made it pretty clear that they're not going to tell me anything ever. So <laughs> um, basically, as far as I know, they've all been ruled as accidental drownings for the most part. As it turns out, the police don't like cooperate with podcasters, <laughs> bloggers, <laughs> uh, parents of missing children. I don't know what their problem is. Uh, I'm here to help. Yeah, yeah don't, can't they see we're professional? Up here? Look at us. Yeah.
person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.